<laughs> Finally, he's back! Uh, Hello, uh, Simon. <coughs> Stay with the sheep. He is useless. Why do you keep him around? He's a good boy. Uh, yeah. You want some dinner? Finally. Aaron made dinner tonight, so <laughs> nothing is cooked. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the food is fine. It's my grandmother's recipe, so leave it alone. Yeah, then that is why your grandfather left. Again and again. Hey, take whatever they want. Oh, I wish that woman wouldn't have left the well. Oh, she was she was very, very beautiful. Very pretty, very pretty. Mm. Can I have my dinner now? Not with us. No. Your plate is over there. After what happened this morning, you sleep with the sheep tonight. And pay attention this time. And watch out for wolves. Watch out for the Pharisee. He might come after you. Mm -hmm. A Roman took another sheep yesterday. Simon, they're talking about the Romans again. But they've cooked it right in front of me. You're lucky. You're lucky you're not part of this conversation about Romans again and again. Let them good pay. Good pay. They take whatever they want. Let's talk about something else.
itself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I told you not to come back here. So where is it? Have you found a spotless lamb for sacrifice? The night of Jesus' birth was not a normal night. The farthest thing from it. It was the greatest moment in the history of the world. It was the greatest moment in the history of mankind. We uh, we're so familiar with the story of Jesus that in many ways we have normalized these scenes in our minds. We're familiar with the events, we're familiar with the characters, we kind of know what's gonna happen. But the truth is, in order for us to truly understand and appreciate the gospel for what it is, we have to realize that the gospel didn't begin on this night. It began in eternity past. Right, you've heard me say this before. Revelation says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world, right? So before there was sin, there was a Savior. Before there was creation, there was a Creator. This wasn't an ordinary night. This wasn't a, uh, just another night. This was the greatest moment in the history of the world where the Prince of Heaven becomes the Son of Man. I like the way that Paul tries to describe some of, some of what has taken place in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, when he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is a very rich little five verses, but I want to bring your attention to this one phrase. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Can you wrap your brain around that? Because I struggle to. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The Bible says 
that the earth is God's footstool. That with his breath and his words, he speaks into existence planets and stars and galaxies. And yet somehow, the miracle of the gospel, the miracle of Christmas, is that the immensity of our God, how huge and wonderful and fantastic and awe-inspiring he is, he somehow comes to be an embryo in a virgin's womb. And in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Timothy, Paul speaks to Timothy this way about Jesus and the light, the brilliance of his light, he says in, in 1 Timothy 6.15, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. Unapproachable light. And yet Jesus comes to be in the darkness of a virgin's womb. Right? He comes to the shadows of an animal barn, and he comes to the stain of humanity. And yet he's so holy. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, when he was having this vision, he was in the presence of God, that God would speak and the very foundations of heaven would tremble. That the angels would call back and forth to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah thought he was going to die. He thought because of his sinfulness in the presence of God's holiness that he would just die. <laughs> I love the phrase that we sang just a minute ago in the Hillsong song, uh, King of Kings. I love it. I'm, you know, some of you know I'm a songwriter and I, I appreciate lyrics that, that speak something that are uh, transcendent. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. The holy king of heaven came to take on our flesh. Eventually he takes on our sinfulness, our fallenness. But at this time, obviously, we celebrate and we worship the fact that he came as the most vulnerable around among us as a baby. Well, this night was not an ordinary night. It was the greatest night in the history of the world. And with a baby's cry, it's like heaven crying out to the world saying, Emmanuel is born. God is with us. And the world would never be the same again. I love the lyric from O Holy Night, <laughs> written by two unbelievers, by the way. God can use anybody, huh? He says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Listen, this morning as we get into this text and we think about the miracle of the birth of Jesus, the miracle of our redemption and our salvation, that God would send his only son to somebody like me and you, I think we have to do it from the lens this morning, not of familiarity, right? And not of just a tradition, 
Too often we get wrapped up in the stuff of Christmas and we forget the miracle that we're talking about, the greatest moment in the history of the world. It's from that lens of God's glory, his immensity, his unapproachable light, his holiness that I want us to rethink this text this morning from Luke chapter 2 as we look at the story of the shepherd and the lamb. Look with me. Verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be with our family today. What a joy it is to be your church, God. This building is not your church. This address is not your church. These people are your church, God, whom you have redeemed by the blood of your one and only Son. God, thank you for the joy that you give us in Jesus. Unspeakable, unimaginable joy. God, thank you for this narrative, that it's not just a story, it is real life. That from eternity past, God, you had a plan, and you played that plan out exactly to the moment that you wanted it to, to come to fruition. And Lord, in this moment that we, we try to take in our minds and our hearts that actually happened, Lord, remind us of how much you love us. Remind us of this story of salvation through your one and only Son. God, would you please use your word to speak to our hearts. Whatever it is that you'd have us to do, God, would you help us to be obedient, to listen to your spirit, spirit of the living God, move in us, lead us to all truth. Lord God, may I decrease in this place and you increase, I pray in the name of Jesus. By your grace and the power of your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're familiar with this story in Luke 2, aren't we? The beginning of Luke 2, it's a small little paragraph. It tells the story we're familiar with, the story of Jesus, the story of Mary and Joseph traveling on a donkey, right? And they go to Bethlehem, and they can't find room in the inn, right? And so they find a place where there are animals. It's the only place they can find to give birth. It's the story where it ends with the king of the universe lying in a horse trough on a bed of, of hay called a manger. We're familiar with that. 
Well, what's so interesting to me is this unbelievable sudden scene shift from the king of the universe and his birth, that's a small little paragraph, to this large section of scripture we just read about some shepherds. Isn't that interesting? Some of you go, well, that's not that big of a deal to me. I don't know what you're trying to say, but I want you to know something. You have to understand the cultural context of a shepherd. That film gave us a little bit of an idea of what they maybe looked like or uh, their cleanliness level, (laughs) right? See, they were known for being thieves. They were known for being liars. They were known for being dirty. They were literally um, religiously unclean. They couldn't come into the temple. In fact, they couldn't even give their word in a court of testimony because they were just known to be liars. They were the ones responsible most of the time for burying the dead. They buried dead animals. They buried dead people. It didn't matter. They were unclean. What's interesting is the God of the universe could have made this announcement to anyone. To a king, to the high priest, to anyone, anywhere. And he chooses to send an angel to make an announcement to these people. The lowest of the low. This morning I want to bring your attention, you have it on your card if you're following along, to six quick points in our text. The first one is this, the proclamation. God sends an angel to speak a message. And see, I want you to know something. Angels don't speak messages on their own (laughs) unless they're out of God's will. Angels only speak that which God has said, go and speak. This is the message I've given you, go and give that message. And so this angel, some people think it was Gabriel. We're not given that information in Luke 2, but whoever it was comes to give a message, not by, by accident, not because they were around Bethlehem, because God said to go to those shepherds. Think about that. It was intentional that the Lord sent this word, this proclamation, this announcement to these people. The experience when you, when you meet an angel, according to Scripture, is pretty similar, actually. Uh, it was similar with Zechariah. It was the same with Mary, with Joseph, and now with the shepherds. What happens is they show up, and you freak out, right? I mean, the, every, every case, this is what happens. They show up, you freak out, then they say, don't, don't fear. They speak a word of, of safety. You're going to be okay And then they give a divine message. This is the message God has given me to give to you. And then lastly, they usually say, and here's the sign. It's exactly what happens in all these accounts, and this is what happens uh, no different with the shepherds. And the the beautiful thing here, I want to go ahead and give it away as we get into our text. The beautiful thing in this is that this message was given to the lowliest of the low, the outcast the marginalized, right? That Jesus is given to all people. That his grace and his peace and his goodness is not limited to country or class or color. Praise God. He's given to all people. Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
The word used here for good news is the word we use for the gospel. The angel says literally, I've come to give you the gospel. That God has sent his only son for you. For all people. And for those of us that know Jesus, if, we, if you have a relationship with Jesus, and you know what I'm talking about here, then you know the joy I'm speaking of, right? You know the joy I'm talking about, that no matter what we face, no matter what difficulty or heartache, there's something deeper than the brokenness of this world. It's great joy. It's great joy. And we only have it because of Jesus. It says he is for all the people. And it gives him three titles. He is Savior, right? The, the very definition of the name of Jesus. He, is, he will save his people from their sin. It means salvation. Jesus literally means, the name Jesus literally means salvation. He is Savior. He will rescue us from our sins. The second is Christ. Just means he's Messiah. He's the long-awaited Messiah. 1,500 years, they've been waiting, prophecies after prophecy. He was Messiah. And then it says, Christ the Lord, which means he's over all things. He's ruler, right? And then they tell the, the shepherds, you'll know this to be true because there's going to be a baby in a horse trough, <laughs> right? They don't normally put babies in horse troughs. So you'll find this baby who'll be lying in a manger. Here's the second thing on your card. We see the angels begin to praise like you've never experienced before. Our team does a phenomenal job, but they don't hold a candle to what happened that night, I promise you. They blew it out. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's almost like in this moment, the angel had been given this message to give to the shepherds. And as soon as he had fulfilled that message, right, like almost in the moment, as soon as he fulfilled the message, then all of a sudden the angels are revealed. They revealed themselves to the shepherds and there were a multitude. And they begin not to worship the shepherds, not to worship Mary and Joseph, but to worship the, the one and only uh, one who is responsible for this narrative, right? God. And they lift him up. And they literally say, glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo in Latin. Glory to God in the highest, what we just sang. That's literally saying, God, you are in the highest of heavens. You are so holy, you're, you're so far among, above anything, anyone. No one can be near you. That's what it's saying. You are so far above in the highest of heavens, and yet it's contrasted with earth. And of course, we know earth is a fallen place. It's a broken place. And the Bible says that if you don't know Jesus, then we're enemies of God. From the moment Adam and Eve sinned, we became at odds with God, enemies. And so what's so significant about that is, is the angel says here, glory to God in the, in the very highest of heavens. But on earth there's what? Peace. And then he uses this phrase that's very interesting. He says, 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I was just thinking, I want to be one of those people, don't you? Lord, I want you to be pleased with me. How do we please God? The writer of Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. We can't please God apart from faith. You want to please God? Have faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that he'll do exactly what he says he will do. That's faith. We've been talking about this faith in the Galatians series. We will have peace if we have faith in Christ. And he will be pleased with us. This appointed moment from eternity past. Just, just try, and, try and wrap your brain around this. The plan of God before the foundations of the world. The angels waiting for this appointed moment. They give the announcement and then they just glorify God. They worship God. They sing. Because that was the only response that could have been given. In this moment, what else could be said? What else could be done other than to lift up the name of Jesus, to, to lift up the name of God and say, thank you, Lord, for this plan. It's the only rightful response. And the shepherds stand there speechless, kind of like the movie showed us. <laughs> what do you say? How do you move? How do you take it in? How do you... Respond to that. Well, this is what they did. They wanted proof. That's the third thing on your card. They wanted to see what had happened. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I think Luke, uh, kind of an understatement of the year, isn't it? hey, let's go see this thing that happened, right? This is the greatest moment in the history of mankind, of the history of the world. And so they run in shock. They run in excitement to see, could this be true? And they find this baby. There's not a lot of babies laying in mangers. They find this baby, and they see exactly what the angels have proclaimed. They see Messiah. They see this child. They see this promise kept. And what's so interesting in this, they have a front row seat to see the Holy One of Heaven, Emmanuel. And in that moment, they realize this is bigger than us. This is not about us. Right? We're peeking into something here. This affects us. This changes us, and we've seen now with our own eyes, with our own heart, we've experienced Jesus for ourselves, but this is bigger than us. And they do what? The people must know. They leave, and they do the fourth thing on your card, preach. Romans says, how will people know unless we go? Unless we take this word, unless we go to people and preach this word, tell this story, Remind people of what has happened here. How will they know? They saw the sign. They saw Messiah born. And they waste no time to tell everybody that they could. I just was thinking about this this week, you know. Do we have that same urgency? I was convicted by these lowly shepherds. 
The idea that they, they pressed in to find out, is this true? And when they realized it for themselves, when they saw Messiah for themselves, they said, this is bigger than me. I've got to tell a lost and dying world. And I just say, do I do that? Or do I make it all about me? Nobody else needs to know. God, forgive us. Make us more like the shepherds with an urgency to realize this story, this narrative is so much bigger than us. We have to go. How will they hear? How will they know unless someone tells them? As they share this, uh, this news with the people of Bethlehem, we see this really interesting paragraph, this little interesting sentence that Luke gives us here. In verse 18, he says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I mean, he, con he contrasts that with Mary. He says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Well, if you ever heard something, a, a message, a song, an encouraging uh, thought, and a devotional, I don't know, but it stops you in your tracks and you just kind of stop there and you just, I wonder. Could that be? Is that true? Is it real? But then there's this contrast with just kind of wondering something. I wonder if that's true. Huh, I don't know. There's a difference in wondering and treasuring. When you treasure something, you know it to be true, right? You hold it so dear in your soul because you know it to be true. Here's Mary. A virgin girl, a young teenager. She knows that she's not been with a man. She knows that she's a virgin, and yet she's pregnant. When the Lord overshadowed her, she's, she's pregnant with God's child. And then she gives birth to this child, and what could it mean? It's the Messiah. She hears the, the shepherds telling the story of the angels, singing worship of this appointed moment. And she too realizes it's so much bigger than her. And so she treasures in her heart what this means. I was thinking about Jesus when he talked about a treasure in Matthew 13. He said if, if it's kind of like, he says this, he says, the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure in a field. He goes and he sells everything he's got. He gives away everything he can. He, he makes as much as he can so he can come back and buy that field so that he can have that treasure. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of God is like, that you, you do everything you have to invest everything you are in Jesus, in him. He is the treasure to ponder in our hearts. He's the one, only one worthy of all that we have and all that we are. And we need to give our devotion. We need to give all that we can to know him, to treasure him, to ponder about how good he is and we think about, God, what have you done to me? What have you given us as mankind in this moment, on this night, that we've relegated into a simple story year after year? God, forgive us. We should treasure who Jesus is to us, his goodness and all that he's done. And then lastly, I want to bring your attention to a really interesting sentence here. Verse 20, 
Luke says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Maybe it just sounds like an ending sentence to the story, but I don't think so. <laughs> the sixth word I want to give you is power. And this is why I don't give it to you. See, at some point, those of us that know Christ, you've been to camp, you've been to conferences, you've heard really good messages online or different places, and you can be at a, on a spiritual high. You can be on the mountaintop. And there's nothing like it in the world. You've shed tears. Your heart has been open to the Lord. And you said, God, whatever, I'll do whatever. But at some point, you have to make your way from the mountain back to real life, don't we? Back to heartache, back to broken relationships, back to, to budget issues, back to divorce, back to sickness and illness and old age. And all the things of this fallen world, we have to make our way back from the mountaintop, back to the ordinary, back to the mundane, back to the everyday. I just think it's so interesting that these shepherds, they returned back to their lowly position as shepherds. That hadn't changed. People's opinions of them have not changed. They're still considered thieves and liars the lowliest of the low outcasts, and yet it says they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Friends, listen, it doesn't matter what your job is. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you clean people's homes or, or, or you work in a cemetery or you work in Kroger or you, you're the president of some company. It doesn't matter what you do, when you know Jesus, you have a peace in your heart and you can glorify him and praise him for who he is and what he's done and what he's doing in you. Your significance is not based on what you do, but on who has saved your soul. That's where your significance lies, only in him. These shepherds knew that. They walked in this identity of Christ. They walked in this experience of the Messiah. And they returned back to the ordinary, back to the monotonous, back to the everyday, but not the same. Friends, I wish every Monday we could walk out of services like this. I wish every, whenever your small group, city group meets, I wish you could walk out of that city group back into the reality of life, knowing who you are. Walking in the confidence of whose you are glorifying and praising God for what he's done and what he's doing. I want to close, listen. The greatest news in the history of the world came to the lowliest of people. God's trying to tell us something. They had nothing to offer. They were marginalized, were forgotten, they were outcasts, they were unclean. They were sinners. They were us. It's us. We have nothing to offer. We have nothing to bring. We are sinners desperately in need of the grace of Jesus. And yet, these are the people that the angels bring this message to of the gospel. Praise God. Some of you may be here this morning and you're saying, yeah, 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 I don't, I'm fine. I'm good. 
good. Revelation 3 says there's a group of people that thinks they're rich, thinks they have everything they need, but really, it says, when you don't know Jesus, you're really wretched, poor, blind, and naked. And you don't know what you don't know. Friend, you need Jesus. If you think life is all that it can be without him, if you think you are rich without him, you are poor, wretched, blind, and naked. But the good news is he's come for all people. Right? That's the gospel. And for all people, he wants to bring great joy. Great joy. God receives praise in the highest of heaven. Angels begin to sing. They're worshiping him, not, in the, not worshiping the moment or the scene. They're worshiping God in the highest of heaven. And also thanking God that he's bringing Jesus to give peace on earth. If you don't know Christ this morning, you're an enemy of God. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're at odds with God. But the good news is that this baby has been born. And it's not a normal baby. It's not a normal night. This is the God child who grows up to live a sinless life and die a sinner's death so that you don't have to. And Jesus brings peace. You remember the the verse we read in Colossians 1 and verse 20? He says, by the blood of his cross... Jesus brings peace. That's how we have peace. Nothing we bring, only by the blood of the cross, only by this unbelievable gift given to us. Shepherds, hear this message. Listen, Christians, shepherds hear this message, and they actually pressed in to find out, is this true? They vetted it. I want to know more. I want to understand more. Is that you? Christian, are you satisfied with a service, a message, a song? Or are you pressing in to know Jesus more? Are you pressing in to understand more? To be a disciple of Jesus, that's who we need to be. They went to find out, they went to see for themselves. And in the beauty of that moment, God makes them the first missionaries, the first preachers, the first witness of Messiah. Listen, when God shows you the beauty and the miracle of life in Christ, we need to show someone else. We need to tell somebody else. We need to, like them, like Mary, realize this is bigger than just me. This is bigger than me. People need to know. And then I ask this question. Maybe you're, maybe you're wondering. <laughs> huh, I wonder if that could be real. Don't just wonder, treasure. Don't just wonder. People wondered, but Mary treasured. I know what I've experienced. I know what I've seen. And then this idea, Lord, what could this mean for my future? What could this mean for my family? What could this mean for the world? That's what we do when we worship in here. We we treasure in our hearts all that God has done, all that he's going to do, right? We rehearse in our minds the beauty of his scripture and all that he's told us and all that we can await of his goodness. Jesus changes everything. And then lastly, is your life one of giving glory and praise in the middle of the mundane? Moms, 
so thankful for you. I know it's hard. All the dishes and all the diapers and all the clothes and all the junk. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Glorify God. Praise Him in the middle of the mundane. Men, day after day, assignment after assignment, whatever your routine is, do you do it as unto the Lord? Do you do it glorifying and praising Jesus for who He is, for what He's shown you of Himself, for what He wants to do in your life? Do we honor Him in that way? And then lastly, I just share this. You know, some theologians believe that those shepherds that are in our story um, were actually tending to sheep that were to be used for sacrifice. That's kind of what the movie alluded to at the end, right? That these shepherds were raising these sheep that were to be used as sacrifice in the temple. Can I remind you of what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We don't need any more sheep. We don't need any more lambs. We don't need to keep up with this or that. We don't need to keep offering sacrifices. Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all. And after he gave that sacrifice on the cross, guess what happened to the sacrificial system? It ended. Why? Because there was no more sacrifice to be given. Jesus is enough. He was the one perfect, spotless, blameless lamb. I'm thankful that the Lord saw fit to tell this story, to announce this news, this gospel to shepherds, to sinners. It says something to us. And I'm thankful that he is the one true lamb who's given his life for us. It's the story of the shepherd and the lamb. Pray with me this morning. Father God, thank you for your kindness. Your word says it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Lord, if there's one person in here that's thinking about Christmas, they're thinking about this story, may it be more than nostalgia, may it be more than tradition, may it be more than jazzy songs that we sing. God, may we see the truth in the words of these songs. God, may our hearts be filled with this great joy that you've come to give us. May it not just be another year of gifts, not just be another year of shopping and the things we fill our our homes and our lives with. God, may we fill our hearts with the wonder and the truth of who you are. That on this night, no normal night, God, you changed the world for all of time. Lord Jesus, when you stepped into our humanity and became God with us. God, it's my prayer that we worship you this morning because that's the only rightful response to what you've done, for what you've given to us. Lord, I pray that we'd be a people that you are pleased with, a people of faith who know you, who trust you, who love you, who believe in you, 
who lean on you, who are learning and growing in you. God, would you help us to treasure in our hearts, in our souls, and let it not be enough for us, Lord. Help us to get a sense even today that this is not about us. We need to tell the world. People must know. We have to go and tell. How will they hear unless someone tell them, Lord? So send us out of here with a a sense of urgency that this message is greater than us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the hope that this story of this precious baby brings. We surrender to you. Lord, we take this time now to worship, to truly ponder, to truly treasure in our soul what it means to know you, to be given life, abundant and eternal. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate this birth. We celebrate this death. We celebrate this gospel because you change everything. Thank you, God. It's in your precious name we pray.